Good afternoon and welcome to the Medical College of Wisconsin's Coffee Conversations with Scientists. Since early 2021, we have been sharing the science behind today's most important health topics. Coffee Conversations is brought to you by the Advancing a Healthier Wisconsin Endowment, a statewide nonprofit working to improve health and advance health equity in Wisconsin. I am Dr. Stacy Young, Professor and Director for the Center for Healthy Communities and Research in the Department of Family and Community Medicine and Acting Senior Associate Dean for Community Engagement at the Medical College of Wisconsin. Today, I will be chatting with Sarah Kolbeck, Director of the Division of Suicide Prevention at the Medical College of Wisconsin. Sarah is a dedicated public health researcher with extensive experience in community-engaged research using both quantitative and qualitative methods. Her research interests are centered on suicide, particularly among disproportionately impacted groups in the state of Wisconsin, in addition to systems level interventions for suicide prevention. She has successfully built and maintained community partnerships, including an AHW funded project entitled Remembering the Lost, How Investigation of Military Suicides Can Improve Prevention Resources. Welcome to Coffee Conversation, Sarah. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Dr. Young. It's really a pleasure to be here. Outstanding. Uh, now, for the audience, before we get started here, we do have a quick content warning. Uh, this episode will discuss the topic of suicide, which may be distressing to some viewers. If you are concerned about yourself or a loved one, contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. I'll repeat that, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. We will be covering a great list of questions regarding the science behind bullying and suicide prevention. And I encourage all of you to watch, to drop any, all of you watching to drop any questions you have on this topic into the comments. We will be getting to as many of those as possible today. So let's get started. Uh, so Sarah, to begin, how does bullying affect a child's overall health? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I just want to start out by kind of doing some scene setting um, and just providing a little bit of statistics kind of behind bullying as it relates to middle school and high school students. We know from um, survey data from um, the CDC, uh, from the Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance System, and from other statistics that about 20% of middle and high school students um, have reported experiencing bullying on school property. Um, and that's just looking at school property. We know that bullying certainly happens in other settings as well. And we know that these numbers are likely um, underreported um, just because of stigma and fear of reporting and things of that nature. And so obviously there are mental health impacts of bullying. We know that um, young people who experience bullying can also experience serious impacts on school functioning and adjustment. And that not only goes for victims of bullying, but also um, children that are involved as perpetrators of bullying as well. And these children, both bullies and victims of bullying are actually prone to have more psychiatric disorders than children that are not involved in bullying. And we know that depression and anxiety are actually the most common mental health concerns that are associated with bullying. And as we'll talk about a little bit later today, um, being involved in, in bullying um, can lead to suicidal thoughts and behaviors. We also know that bullying um, has an association with poor outcomes, including things like low self-esteem, as I mentioned, suicidal thoughts and behaviors, problems, problems in school. Um, you know, certainly we can see increases in the probability of skipping classes, 
and dropping out of school, decreases in grade point averages. Um, so certainly kind of that academic health as well. We also know that there is an association um, between bullying and increases in both alcohol and substance misuse. Um, so certainly that, um, that end of the spectrum as well. And then obviously there are physical injuries um, that can result as, um, that are a result of the bullying event itself or due to the suicidal behaviors that I mentioned before. And interestingly, we can we have seen in research that the effects of bullying actually extend beyond childhood and adolescence. Um, we see that um, individuals that were involved in bullying as a child can actually have problems with social relationships and poor physical health and even financial difficulties in, in adulthood. And then finally, I just want to mention that um, studies have also shown that actually observing bullying, um, maybe not necessarily being um, directly involved in the event, but observing that event in a school environment can have negative, effect, negative effects on one's mental health that are similar to or can even sometimes exceed the negative effects of those involved in the, in the bullying itself. So many, many health impacts associated with bullying for sure. Thanks, Sarah, for, for speaking to that. And I think, you know, you mentioned some, some really powerful information about the effects of bullying, and you mentioned suicidal thoughts and, and behaviors. You also mentioned the effects on those that are witnessing uh, bullying and the effects on those individuals. And I assume by that you're referring to other young people that are witnessing bullying amongst their peers. Can you talk yes, about that's, that? Yep, that's correct. Um, you know, when you think about things that are happening in a school environment, often there are many youth around um, that might be observing that and and certainly the some of the negative um, particularly mental health outcomes that we see um, in in those that are directly affected are also extending to those that are observing the event so what would you say are some of the ways that uh, any of us can help a child that is being bullied yeah that's a really great question um and so i think there are certainly um a number of things that we can do i think um you know obviously there is likely in, in some cases anyway um, a reluctance or even a fear to report um, a bullying event because a child or a young person could be you know um perhaps afraid of retaliation um, and so I think, you know, creating environments where students feel safe in reporting and understanding that um, they're going to be protected, um, you know, in case there's any fear of, of kind of retribution or anything like that. I also think that it's really important for adults and trusted adults, uh, parents, caretakers, is really to listen and support and validate what we're hearing from these young people. Um, you know, it can sometimes seem like, oh, this is just something that kids do. Um, you know, this is just part of growing up. But unfortunately, we've we've just talked about those negative health outcomes that are associated with bullying. And so it's very important to validate what the child is, is reporting and then providing them support and a listening ear. Um, and then connecting that child with support and resources, whether that is within the school environment or um, outside in the community. There are a number of wonderful community organizations in the community that um, support youth mental health. And so making sure that that child is appropriately connected with support and resources. And then finally, ensuring that that young person has a trusted adult in their life. Um, we know that social connection is a powerful protective factor against suicidal thoughts and behaviors. 
And so making sure that that young person has a sense of connection with somebody in their life that they trust, um, particularly an adult, that can then help them sort of navigate the situation that they're experiencing. And Sarah, one of the things that you mentioned was that uh, there may be a concern about a young person wanting to report uh, bullying out of uh, concern that maybe they wouldn't feel safe doing so, or that maybe even amongst adults that uh, we might consider it as kids being kids, for example. Can you talk about how in your work, uh, bullying is actually defined in ways that are, are helpful for people to understand what behaviors constitute bullying, especially amongst young people? Yeah, that's a really great question. And so there are obviously different, um, you know, different types of bullying. One of the things that we've heard, you know, certainly in last, um, in the last several years is the issue of cyberbullying. And that's, you know, online bullying, bullying that's taking place in an online environment. Um, and that is something that we're actually seeing in increasing proportions. And really, um, you know, and we'll, I think, talk a little bit about technology and bullying a little bit later, but it's really, you know, that, that sense or that feeling of being intimidated by another person, whether it's, you know, physically, psychologically, emotionally, um, and, and having that, that sort of sense of fear, um, you know, as a result of another person's words and actions. Um, so I think, you know, it, it part, it's partially dependent on, you know, kind of the child and their perception of the situation, which is why it's so important to listen. Um, and at the same time, you know, make sure that we're paying attention to other signs and, and things that we're hearing maybe outside of what the child is telling us. Yeah, I think that's really helpful, Sarah, because one of the things that that I think about is is language and perhaps for young people um, that may or may not be a word that uh, they might use to define the behavior. It could be such and such as teasing me or making fun of me or pushing me, that sort of thing. And yet what you describe, you know, words or actions that are harmful, it does meet the definition, right, of, mm -hmm. of bullying. So I think for those of us that are adults or in a child's life as either a caregiver or a trusted person, uh, perhaps when young people are coming to us and describing what's happening to them, that for us, maybe, you know, what you're talking about is an aha moment, like, oh, this is an example of bullying. I need to, you know, of course, be taking this seriously and ensuring that this young person has what they need to feel safe. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes as adults, especially I think as parents and caretakers, it can be really difficult to hear these things from the child that we love and that we care for. Um, and I think it can be difficult, you know, in that in that moment to really know what to do. Um, there might be a sense of panic. There might be, you know, a sense of fear even on the adult's um, you know, on, on the on the part of the adult, but it's really like you mentioned, just really listening for that language, listening for things, and then taking a moment and thinking about how we can best connect that young person and support them um, as they're you know dealing with with the outcome of this. That's great. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned before the role of technology and cyberbullying. Can you speak a little bit more about about uh, the role of technology and we think about what bullying means for young people and, and how we can, what we can do about that. Yeah, so cyber, as I mentioned, cyberbullying or online bullying really um, has, you know, been an, an issue in, you know, the recent, um, you know, uh, several years. Um, and unfortunately, we're seeing it, you know, persist and even increase a bit. And one of the issues with cyberbullying is that it, it can be really persistent and it can also be really hard for adults to detect. 
Um, you know, oftentimes we have kids that have devices, whether they're phones or tablets, um, other devices, which is often difficult for adults to see or observe behavior that's taking place. The other thing about online bullying is that it can be anonymous. Um, you know, certainly we, we see this happening between peers and friends, but you know, you've got people all across the internet that can, you know, say harmful and hurtful things to young people. And the problem with that is, is that the perpetrator is not being held accountable. Um, and so there's, there's an issue there as well. And then finally, I think um, a unique issue of online bullying is that the person that's sort of perpetrating the, the act doesn't see the immediate response of the person being bullied. And so they might not recognize the serious harm that they're causing. And so, you know, we've we've seen in studies that cyberbullying is um, as associated with negative mental health outcomes. Um, a study that we conducted here in Wisconsin, we saw um, cyberbullying is an issue that was associated with suicidal behavior, particularly among young females ages 10 to 14. And so, you know, again, paying attention to changes in mood, um, changes in behavior, um, and, you know, frankly, you know, making sure that um, there's an open relationship between, you know, young people and, and adults so that if um, that child is experiencing something online that is really being harmful to them, that they are able to, to talk about it. Thank you for that, Sarah. And and you said uh, a few things in there that really, you know, stuck with me about cyberbullying, the fact that uh, one, the anonymity oftentimes of it, so you don't know who sometimes who the sender is, um, the fact that for for young people and for adults that it's it's behavior that is not readily seen. It's very different than what some of us in our younger years might be familiar with, like, you know, on the playground where you can witness what's happening firsthand. Uh, and in a, in a cyber environment or on the internet, we can't always see what's on a young person's computer or on their phone. Uh, and it can make it that much harder to detect and then perhaps also be able to intervene in real time. So I think what you're, you're saying is just really important for us to think about again as potential caregivers, teachers, trusted adult, um, that we always have to be paying attention even if we can't readily see it, like what, what we might be used to seeing, that we need to be then paying attention to a young person person's behaviors and any of those changes that seem a little bit off, perhaps, um, that maybe that's an opportunity for us to be checking in with a young person. Uh, you know, how are things going? How are you doing? Um, you know, and, and and hopefully those are ways of a younger person opening up. But I, I definitely think with the technology, it's really important for us to be that much more diligent. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, and one of the things you just said, Dr. Young, I mean, um, asking that very open-ended, um, you know, kind of non-threatening questions like, you know, how are you doing? How are things going? Even if bullying is not an issue, that helps create a sense of connection between a young person and, and yourself, the person that's doing the asking. So even if there's not necessarily anything happening, by making that connection, by showing the young person that you care, um, you know, you're giving that young person another resource, another support of a trusted adult in their life that, you know, can potentially be a resource for them down the road, um, you know, if, if they're encountering other, you know, significant stressors in their life. 
Yes, absolutely. And, and it's making me think of um, the fact that for so many of our young people, their access to technology is just so different than even what I grew up with. So I have to constantly remind myself that they're exposed to different things and in different formats than, you know, a lot of their technology that I know as an adult is very different than what they may be getting as early as middle school and high school. And I also think about a comment you made earlier about witnessing bullying and what that might even look like in uh, in, a, in, in the internet, so to speak, or on the internet. And if you are witnessing an exchange or somebody posting something about somebody else, and, you know, I almost wonder if over time that might also be behavior that we study and mm -hmm. see the effects of, of, of that on individuals that are, you're not witnessing it happen between two people in front of you, but you can see online if somebody's posting something about somebody else or sending a picture or something like that, that could certainly be just as harmful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, can you speak a little bit about any intervention projects that you're aware of that have helped to deter bullying and subsequent suicide amongst uh, amongst our young people? Yeah, so um, there are a number of different programs and program types that are out there. Um, and what I've seen in the research literature is that integrated approaches to not only decreasing bullying, but also to prevent suicide are really important. Um, and those are approaches that really focus on shared risk and protective factors. So when you think about shared risk and protective factors, you think about um, factors in a person's life that either increase or decrease their likelihood of experiencing a negative outcome um, across a number of different outcomes. And some of the um, shared protective factors that are shown in these approaches include things like building individual coping skills, um, supporting family and school social support, and then having supportive school environments. And when we um, talk up in public health about these type, uh, types of integrated approaches, we really think about the social ecological model that looks at multiple levels of health um, of factors that can impact a person's health. So we think about policies in the school that are supportive of a healthy school climate. We think about you know, um, different types of classroom policies. Um, we think about strengthening interpersonal relationships. And then again, those individual coping skills. And when we're looking across those levels in a way that's integrated, we're really able to have more of an impact on these outcomes that we're concerned about. So really strengthening those social connections and then implementing policies that are supportive of, of all students. And I think in particular, um, policies that are implemented at the school environment should really um, call out and mention groups that are more frequently targeted by bullying like kids that are part of um, the LGBTQ population, you know, certainly um, demonstrating and vocalizing and writing that support into policies is really important. Um, there are a couple of studies that have looked at programs um, that have been aimed at improving school climate. Um, and, and we've seen that youth that describe their school climate as being trusting and fair and pleasant actually have lower involvement in um, uh, verbal and physical bullying, uh, victimization, as well as perpetration. And then we know that there are school-based suicide prevention programs as well, sources of strength is one of those, that really, um, again, builds those social connections, um, helps with coping skills, 
um, helps with sort of um, creating a, a supportive school climate that will not only have um, protective effects against suicidal behaviors, but will also have protective effects, effects against bullying. That's great. Thank you, Sarah. And, and I think it's really important when we when we touch on really difficult topics like this, um, that for so many of us, there's this feeling like, gosh, you know, what do we do about this? How do we fix this? Especially uh, something that can have such such powerful consequences uh, for young people and for and for adults. Uh, so it's it's important that we examine what the issue is, but then also talking about you know what are some of the interventions? What has worked well? What are the things that we think can um, help help prevent this in the future? So I think it's really important that you provided us with some of the information, some of the science, if you will, that speaks to you know what has been successful. For example, in the in the school environment, one of the things that I meant to ask earlier and did not was uh, a little bit more information about age. Can you talk about uh, at what age? Uh, this behavior is more is more pre prevalent. Yeah, uh, that that's a great question, and I think you know I'll draw upon a couple of different um, sources of information. One, as I mentioned, is the Youth Risk Behavior Survey data, um, and as part of that survey. Um, this is a survey that's done at schools um, across the state of Wisconsin and, in fact, across the country. Students are asked um, whether or not they, um, you know, think that harassment and bullying by other students is a problem at their school. And interestingly, um, when looking at the most recent data in Wisconsin, we actually see that bullying is perceived to be more of an issue in younger grades, um, thinking ages 15 and younger. And that really supports the study findings from um, the study that I mentioned a little bit earlier when we talked about um, the association of suicidal uh, behavior and cyberbullying among young females. Um, so thinking about kids that are, you know, in um, middle school in particular, um, and maybe early high school, um, at least their perceptions of, of bullying um, within their school is certainly is that it's more of an issue. We also see that um, females um, tend to believe that bullying or harassment is more of a problem in their school than males. Um, and we also see that um, white non-Hispanic students and Black students report higher perceptions of bullying than Hispanics do um, with the Youth Risk Behavior Survey. And so it's just interesting to see these differences across different age groups and then across different um, demographics as well. That's great, Sarah. Thanks for speaking to that. And it's just, I really appreciate being able to um, have this discussion with you because I know you have invested so much of your, um, your, your, yourself, your career uh, in understanding this issue and making this information available to, to all of us um, as part of the coffee conversations with scientists and then your own interactions. So thanks for, thanks for doing that. I'd love to uh, take a moment now to uh, ask some of the questions that we know are coming in from our viewers. So I'll just take a, a look here. I know we have several really uh, excellent questions for you. Uh, so I'll start with um, the following. It includes a statement and then a question. Being bullied as an adult can also be detrimental to mental health. Have you seen any correlations across the lifespan in relation to bullying and suicide? Yeah, um, the answer is yes. And I guess I would want to um, also say that suicide is complex. Mm. Um, and we know suicidal behavior is complex. And so there's typically, 
not and it, generally not one factor that is contributing to suicidal behavior. And we know that across the lifespan, bullying can be and may be a precipitating event in suicide, but there are other contributing factors, um, including things like underlying mental health conditions that may or may not be treated, other life stressors, um, you know, alcohol misuse. Um, we, we certainly know that not every person that experiences bullying ends up engaging in suicidal behavior or dying by suicide. Um, so we have to think about those other contributing factors in somebody's life that might increase or, or protect against risk for suicide. Great. Thank you, Sarah. Mm -hmm. um, the next is also a, a, a statement and then a question. We are seeing an increased desensitization and decreased em empathetic attunement in today's culture. Can you speak to how we can get out in front of these issues? It, to, excuse me. Uh, can you speak to how we can get out in front of these issues contributing to bullying and suicide? That is a really great question. And I wish I had a really eloquent answer for that. You know, what I always come back to um, in my research and the work that I do, whether I'm looking at, um, you know, suicide in veterans or farmers or young people is um, it, it sounds really simple and it might, it might even sound a little bit naive, but an important thing to remember in our culture is love and caring. And I think really that interpersonal connection um, and even connection through our policies and systems and support, um, I think can help us get ahead of these things um, in, in certain ways. Um, you know, I think it really comes back to that genuine, you know, caring for another person um, and helping them to, you know, to, to see and understand that, you know, um, we all have the things that we're going through. Uh, we all need support. We're all deserving of love and caring. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not a very eloquent answer, but it's, it's something that I always come back to as I'm doing this research is we need love in our interactions, love in our policies and love in our systems. I really like that, Sarah. And, um, I, I think that even though the uh, the underlying issues truly are complex, mm -hmm. I do think the way you phrased how we might think about this in order to get out in front of it, to borrow from the person's question, really in its simplicity is quite elegant because it really is about how do we see each other and continue to see each other as human beings, <laughs> worthy of all the things that individuals need to be healthy and thrive and come from that place in order to help others. Uh, so I think the way you phrased that was, was really nice nicely done. Thank you. The next question is actually a little bit of an extension of a, a, a prior question that, um, that I asked, and, and you spoke to ways in which we are supporting or should be supporting individuals that are being bullied. Uh, this question is, how do we support or help the child that is doing the bullying? Right. And so I think that's that's a wonderful question. And I think, you know, we need to be thinking about what is happening in that young person's life, what that young person has experienced, um, you know, thinking about not beyond just the event of bullying or the events themselves, but thinking about um, the, the young person kind of um, from, a, a, I guess, a holistic approach. Um, and, and addressing some of those underlying, um, you know, either stressors or trauma, um, 
other situations that might be, um, you know, manifesting in their life, um, and really helping to to build support um, that's that's kind of tailored to those different um, those different factors. Um, as I mentioned, also, um, you know, promoting um, positive social connections is is protective for both um, victims of bullying as well as um, those that are actually doing the bullying. And so, you know, making sure that person feels supported. Um, I think that, um, you know, oftentimes our, our policies and systems tend to be punitive um, when really we need to be thinking about how can we, how can we support this person? They're, um, you know, uh, obviously in, in a situation where there's distress happening. Um, and so, you know, how do we promote those connections? How do we support? How do we listen? How do we understand um, so that we can really get to the root of, the root of the issue? Yes, and thank thank you for that, Sarah. And it also seems like some of the interventions that you mentioned earlier about creating a, a safe and healthy school climate really help all individuals in that in that setting. It's 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 right. meant to help and be protective for those that have been bullied, um, but also for those that you know might be in a situation where they could be bullying others or witnessing and creating maybe those healthy climates helps. All of those, not just one, um, one, one student group or one group of young people. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Excellent. Well, this was a great uh, discussion today, Sarah. Like I said, I think uh, it's it's such an important topic, and I was really excited for the opportunity to have the time with you one on one and and talk about a topic for which I know you're you're so dedicated. And thank you for uh, for your work in this area. I don't believe we have any additional questions in the the chat. So I think we'll, uh, we'll wrap up. Um, I want again, like to thank you for joining us today. And we appreciate you taking the time um, to discuss this with the audience. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. And it was an absolute pleasure to chat with you, Dr. Young, we should do it more often. Yes, yes. <laughs> I welcome that. And for the audience, if we did not, for some reason, get to your question, or perhaps if you have an additional question that you did not have the chance to ask today, please feel free to drop an email to conversations at mcw.edu. Uh, so I hope all of you in, uh, join us next month for a virtual coffee break and a conversation with a scientist. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. The Medical College of Wisconsin's Coffee Conversations with Scientists is sponsored by the Advancing a Healthier Wisconsin Endowment. Coffee Conversations with Scientists occur monthly as Facebook Live events and are produced by the Medical College of Wisconsin. We hope you join us next month for another virtual coffee break and a conversation with a scientist.